Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is the Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. What's up, everybody? It is officially season three of the Back Tech, season three, episode one, here right now. With you, as always, is me, Brendan, and Stefan. Stefan, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good. Do you smell that, Brendan? Smell what? I smell hockey is in the air. So I can't smell because I have a deviated septum, but I've been told it smells like hockey. We got training camps opening up today with most, I'm pretty sure everyone is media only today, doing their promos for the scoreboards, the local stations, but hockey is back. And for obviously for the Islanders, Rangers, and every other team, rookie camp and development camp might have taken place over the last couple of weeks. So yeah, we're ready. I mean, it's, it's time to get going. Baseball, you know, George hits home runs. Everything's going well for Yankee land. Mets clinch the playoffs, but it's hockey season. It is hockey season. And it's, it feels good to say that, you know, we, you mentioned you got <laughs> baseball going on, football started, but to me, all that means is that it's a precursor to when hockey is going to be played. And we got that coming up next week is the, First Rangers and Islanders meeting, right? Monday kicks it off with, with yep. preseason. So Russia Shana night. Last year we were there. Russia Shana night. <laughs> we we were there parents, last year. The parents are not too thrilled, but I will be in the building at MSG because, you know, got a job to do. But uh I, I think first we can right. start with my uh cat eye story, because who doesn't love Stefan's <laughs> stories and of unfortunate events? They can make a book about it. So I wear a cat eye for people that don't know, goalie masks. Most NHL players wear cat eyes. It's pretty much well. It looks like eyes, the little holes, openings, rather than the full cage covering. And I'm in warm-ups. And, Brendan, what's the first rule of warm-ups? Keep the puck below the head of the goalie. Yeah. And, again, I'm, I'm a shorter guy. So, you know, most test shots hit me in the head. So this one guy, laser beam of a wrist shot, right to the head, think nothing of it until the puck goes through my cat eye. So, yeah, it was um, eventful. I hooked my nose, but thankfully I do have a big nose, so I protected my eye there. And, uh, yeah, don't shoot high, guys. We saw it happen with Varlamov a couple of years ago in warm-ups. Actually, Sorokin's first NHL start came because Varlamov took a shot up high at the collarbone after Cal Clutterbuck uh, ripped one. So, yeah, guys, keep, keep the pucks low. We don't need injuries now. And, again, you know, it's, it's, it's beer league hockey, but I'm not trying to lose an eye because if I lose an eye, then I am a worthless human being. No offense to people that don't have eyes, but, you know. <laughs> You kind of need them. Just went on, went on a tangent right there. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> when you called me about that, I was like, ah, here we go. Well, you said you have the most Stefan story ever, and that's not what I was expecting at all because that's really not not your fault. I mean, usually the stories that you tell me are all like, you know, just brain fart moments that you have. So 
No, we will definitely have many of those to talk about as the season progresses. (laughs) Yes, we do. But, I mean, we do have a lot going on in the hockey community, right? I mean, yesterday, just it seems like every defenseman (laughs) over the age of 35 decided they wanted to retire. Uh, We had the Dills Lundquist trade for the Rangers perspective. You got training camps kicking off today. So there is a lot that's officially underway. The rookie camps have concluded for both the Rangers and Islanders. Uh, so it's been awesome. I mean, just seeing, you know, hockey on my Twitter feed again gets me all riled up. So I don't know where exactly you want to start with all this going on, but I think that the best place to start is with the three retirements. It just seems yeah, like. Yeah, and by the way, Subban is 33 years old. He's not even 35. And that so, is true. I, <laughs> that one, okay, that one that surprises me. And I think I will start with Subban. You could have your opinions, PK Slewfoot, whatever you want to talk about. I don't know. Obviously, his defensive part of his game exponentially got worse as the years went on. He had some dominant years. I mean, Montreal, I mean, his shot was probably one of the more lethal defensive shots when he was in his prime. He goes to Nashville for Shea Weber. That was an interesting move there. Played with the Devils last year, but I think think that man is cut out to be an analyst, broadcaster, and I think he was probably looking and no one wanted to offer that much money to him. And I think he can make more money covering games. So we'll see where he gets a job and what's next for him. Obviously, wish him nothing but the best. Again, I don't think the slew foots and everything that happened over the last couple of years was intentional. I think it was more of just he couldn't keep up with the NHL game anymore. And when that, you know, when that happens, you see bad playing. You also see players retire. And you look at two other guys, Keith Yando, clearly the game passed him by. Um, he had that long Ironman streak. And I know that a couple of years ago, Florida Panthers didn't have him on their opening night roster, changed their mind after social media went off on them for not keeping that plays last year with the flyers. Flyers were horrendous. Yeah. Yenda was pretty bad, but the team was bad. But I mean, if you listen to spinning chicklets, you know how cool Yandel is and how much people really respect his game. And then I think that's Dano Chara. I want to preface this by saying that I asked the last question to Dano Chara following his last game he ever played. So I could die now in peace. And that will 100% be on my tombstone. Humble yes, yes. Right uh, but no, I mean, Brendan, we don't know a world, an NHL world, without Chara. I mean, he started playing in the NHL before we were born. So, I mean, yeah. we, we don't know what hockey's like. I don't think, was he the best defenseman ever? No, but I don't think we'll ever have a player like Chara in the league ever again. The guy, well, the, he was just a physical presence. was never, I mean, never before seen. He's six eight, right? No, yeah. he's not six eight. He's probably close there though with skates on. But um you just look at his game. Again, Islanders drafted him. They trade him for Alexi Yash, and we all know that how that went. The Bruins signed him as a free agent. I know uh Boston Hockey Now wrote an article about this the other day when he retired, that he might be the greatest free agent signing of all time. I mean, he led them, he was the captain for them, led them to the two thousand eleven Stanley Cup. What he's done meant uh, uh mentoring defenseman like Charlie McAvoy, what he did for him. You look at Noah Dobson last year for the Islanders. I mean, this guy was a leader on and off the ice, played him many, many years, um, and we wish him nothing but the best, but he's he's ticketed right to the Hall of Fame. The, yeah. And Johnny Boychuk, his former teammate on Boston, and then obviously they've time with the Islanders. Uh, Boychuk tweeted out that they're going to have to build a bigger door for where he's headed because obviously he's going to have to duck entering the Hall of Fame doors. But uh, yeah, it was a cool day. Six He's nine. six foot nine without skates, so that's yeah, that's he, a big boy coming down into the corners. Yeah, his kids. Uh, they came last year. They were honoring Char for breaking the record for most games played by a defenseman, and his kids look like they're already six feet tall. So, yep. and they're they're like five years old. So, good genes. You know, yeah, I but he, but he said, to, uh, "Keep going, sorry." I want to go back to Subban before we, you know, continue down the Char rabbit hole. Here is when he was with Montreal. He was probably one of the most electric defensemen. Oh. And I think it's very, very rare where what he did for the game, uh, just personality-wise. And I know it's a little clouded by what he did the last couple of years, with, like you mentioned, PK Slewban, yeah. right? The Slewfoots that he was going about and doing. But he had donated like a significant amount of money to the Montreal oh, yeah. Children's Hospital. Like he was loved in Montreal. Like, and like he was 10 part million. Of that. Exactly. Like yeah. he had a whole wing made. And then. He was part of that ridiculous trade where Nashville gave Shea Weber like 14 years or whatever that crazy contract was. And then they sent him to Montreal in exchange for Subban. He had a couple of runs there in uh, Nashville as well. But it's, it's on the very cover. rare that you have. He was on the He's cover. On the cover. <laughs> it's a big Sports. curse, though. It's a big, big curse. curse. And 
it's very rare that you have two Norris winning defensemen that retire in the same day like this, and especially one that's 33. But you had alluded to for Subban, like his post career, what he yeah, might be looking to do. Sad. And he had the all star show where he was like the, he had the show after. So part of me thinks that he saw the offers that were out there. He saw the teams that were interested and he just said, you know what, rather than take the toll on my body, I would rather just get into the media career now. Cause I guarantee he was going to be on some talk show oh, or, yeah. you know, broadcast this year. And that's all speculation, but I wouldn't be surprised if ESPN scoops him up. He's very interesting. He's funny. And again, he is, like you said, the, the donations, I was reading a tweet about, you know, we see athletes, we see them donate money, we see the videos of them go to the hospitals. But then someone was tweeting out a story that, you know, you don't see when the cameras turn off. Like, Subban didn't stop. You know, he'd go to extra rooms, even if he didn't have that much time. He'd hug. I remember there's a story about one girl who was going through chemo, a, a, teen, a teen. And um, after, after he visited a couple rooms, someone there asked, like, hey, can you come to this room? This girl was hysterical crying. Subban hugged her, kissed her, and said, like, you're strong, you're brave, you got this, in French, because the parents didn't speak English. I mean, th- those little things change lives. They, they do. Just mentally for this girl who is going through a tough, tough thing that no kid should ever have to go through, nail it on any person, to have an athlete come and no cameras, just give up that, you know, that courage and that bravery, say, keep fighting, it, it's immeasurable. And uh, we, we thank Subban, obviously, for doing that. And every other athlete that does that as well. Yeah. And, you know, his legacy is more than just the game. And it's going to be more than just the game if he does go into broadcasting. And, you know, it's a similar thing to Char. Everybody, I, I have never heard anybody say a bad thing about Char no. besides the fact that he just he beat the crap out of people. He's a freak athlete. He's a he freak really athlete. Like, they, you know, everyone says when they're commenting players, first one in the gym, last one to go. I think we were talking to Barzal last year or Wallstrom, and they said he'd get to the gym early. Char would be in there. He'd leave the gym, go on the ice, go back to the gym or whatever, get water or whatever. Char would still be in the gym. Like It reminds me of Yager. These guys that, as they got older, the reason they got to keep playing is because they kept working. on. They never stopped working on their crap. Like I remember a couple years ago, Yager – he was skating with weights on at 50 something years old, just because they, not things they have to, obviously it helps to play longer, but they just had that every day. That doesn't matter my age. And what Chara meant to, you know, being a mentor for the team was on it. It's just, these guys are people, even Yandel, even if he struggled defensively, I know his time in, with the readers, they praise about him and the Panthers. I mean, I'm not going to say he helped with the turnaround there, but he definitely played a part. You know, he wore an A there. They had a young group coming up, and now that's a team that could, is a Stanley Cup contender now. And I'm not, again, not crediting Yander with everything, but leadership, especially a veteran like that. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, it's funny because Yandel had a great career. You talked about the Ironman streak, and yet out of the three that retired, he's probably the, the least, you know, storied because both Subban and Chara have Norris's. And um, it, it's, but sometimes the defensemen that you don't ever talk about are in the limelight. It's because they just did their job every night. Now I'm not saying Subban and Chara didn't, but you know Yandel went under the radar as a defenseman in, in his prime. And again, the last couple of years are are what they are. But you know, if you want to segue it now, Brennan, to the Rangers, we haven't talked. Trouba was announced captain. The whole Mills Lundqvist situation, the the fleecing, if you want to call it, by Chris Jordan. Maybe he's figuring it out as GM. But let's start with you know Trouba gets gets um the captaincy, you know, what are your initial thoughts with that move? So I think everybody thought it was going to be Kreider, uh, if yeah. you, or, or Zabanajad. Those were the two kind of names that were thrown around consensus. And it seems like every single player in the locker room was under the impression that it was going to be Truba. So uh, I tweeted out and I said, you know, before that, if the team is okay with it and everyone is fine with it, and that's who they would have picked anyway, then who the hell are we to say no, right? It, obviously, you might not agree with Truba's play. You might not think he's the best player on the ice all the time. You might not agree with the hits that he has. Like, there's there's a lot of people that, that don't like him right now, especially after last postseason. But seems like his teammates respect him. Seems like for the last two years he's been in that role and he's been the leader. So from my perspective, if he's going to get the most out of people and and they're going to play under him and, and acknowledge his leadership and respect his leadership, then that's the right move. And it seems like that's the case. I mean, the biggest thing you look at for captaincy, and I think it's just blown out of proportion, is your best player doesn't have to be captain. And I, I, Brad Marchand said the other day, and this is the one thing that I actually agree with when Brad Marchand opens his mouth, is that he said there are so many young captains in the NHL that he doesn't like that because 
they don't exp- they don't know what NHL experience is like. They don't know what it's like being in a locker room, bad losses. How are you going to give a player the C who doesn't know how to lead at the NHL level? And again, that's coming from a guy who had Chara, Patrice Bergeron. I mean, these are legitimate veteran leaders, and I, I kind of agree with him. You know, you look at you know obviously Connor McDavid gets the captaincy. Was he mentally ready for that? I don't know. Um, you look at other teams where young guys get the C, and and then you wonder, okay. Is that the best player? Or is the organization doing that because they want a young guy leading or because it looks, you know, marketing, the appeal? And also, especially like, the Islanders, when Doug Waite was the captain, he was not the best player on the Islanders. He was there for sure. But bottom six minutes, and you look at other teams, and that's not a, a bad thing. You look at – the biggest thing I look at is, you know, Alex Ovechkin. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with his leadership. But was he made captain because he was the best player or the best leader? And then does that impact your ability to win Stanley Cups? So it, it is interesting. But again, we only know what we, what we see through social media. We are not in the room. If the captain – see, people could disagree with that all they want. And because the players in the room and the coaching staff and management believe he's the best person to lead. So I don't think that, oh, Kreider didn't get it. Kreider feels bad. Kreider wants to win. And if everyone buys into Truba being the captain, see, uh, being the captain, so be it. I know Anders Lee, when, when Trotz took over and they were looking for a new captain after Tavares, Trotz said he reached out to every player and said, okay, if you could have a captain, who would it be? They all chose Anders Lee. Anders the most talented player in the ice, the lead, and that's why he got the C. And I, we need more of that. We need more automatically give it to that best player unless you truly believe that he could lead you to the promised land because there are teams where that is going to negatively affect them. Yep. I completely agree. And I think that a lot of the decision, which gets lost on uh, some fans or, or some of the, the public and media, is the fact that when you look at the, the Rangers and how they're structured, Jacob Troop is only 28 years old, but he's been around the league for a while. Feels like the he's rest like of that, Yeah, it does. And, and the rest of that defense, though, is all under 24, which means even though he might not have had the best couple of you know seasons, I think he had a pretty solid year last year in New York, but he's been that one guy that is leading that whole entire defensive group. I mean, they had Nemeth there, but trust me, nobody was looking at Nemeth for, for the <laughs> yeah, on ice leadership and things like that. So like Lindgren's 24, Fox is turning 24, Jack Jones coming into the league is going to be 21. You got Schneider's turning 21, Miller's only 22, 23. So they're all young and they're all looking at this one guy. So for him to come into a new team, have to adjust to a bigger spotlight in New York from Winnipeg and have to now take control and leading this whole entire defensive group, the way the Rangers are you know, on a trajectory right now, it seems like he's done an amazing job doing that. And if you can think and, and look at that aspect, obviously he's going to do a good job of leading the entire team if he was able to take a group of young guns like that and kind of turn them into a, a pretty formidable defensive group, which we hope is going to be around for the next couple of years. So for Truba, I think that his play, you know, the way he plays is probably similar to the way he leads, right? He's not going to be an in-your-face type of guy, but he's going to step up, make those physical plays. He's not afraid to to get in there and do the dirty things on the ice. And he's probably not afraid to talk to anybody and, and, you know, solidify the locker room either, which is what you need from a captain. And the big thing is he's not changing his game as much as the league wants him to. And that's how he plays. That's his style. And he's going to keep doing that. And again, you could say what you want about the dirty hits, but it's physicality. It's playoff hockey. You know, he's also a big dude and he gets, he gets, you know what, for elbowing people in the head or the higher up, but it's usually not his elbow. It's usually just his shoulder, and those guys are short. And you don't have your head up, you're going to hit the ground. And that's just how hockey's played, and that's how hockey should be played. You keep your head yeah. down, you pay the price. We talked about those uh, those people that take the clips and they just screenshot yeah, you them at like the you perfect can't do time. It's, it's I mean, none of them were called penalties. So there's a reason they weren't. And, and he wasn't suspended. Say, Nope. And, and you could say, listen, you know, the refs stink, right? And if that's your logic and you don't think the refs are good at their job, we've seen hits not called penalties that turn into suspensions. None of them were. So clearly he's, he's doing something by the law and you might not like it. They might be explosive, especially in today's game, but uh, they're all pretty clean. So, you know, go from one defenseman to the other here, somebody that we thought he was going to be mentoring, but turns out the, the right side of the Rangers decor is kind of stacked right now is Nils Lundqvist and, there was a lot of discourse on social media about him versus Schneider. And I think that that discourse is a little ridiculous. Schneider came into the league and you could show the numbers all you want. He played twice as many minutes as 
Nils Lundqvist did. So the numbers are probably going to be skewed more negatively considering he was 20 years old. But I thought he held his own in the playoffs. I think he's only going to get better. It's unfair to, to judge Schneider just like it is unfair to judge Lundqvist based on their time in the NHL because they're so young. So for Lundqvist, he wants a fresh start. And I think that if if you were going to pick the return, you could not have picked a better one for Jury to get in this situation. They got a conditional first round pick, which is the Stars' first round pick in the 2023 draft. If that pick winds up being in the top 10, then the Rangers will get Dallas's first round pick in 2024, regardless of where that pick is. And if Lundquist scores 55 or more points cumulative over the 2022 23 season and the 2023 24 season, Dallas transfers their third round pick in 2025 to the Rangers instead of the fourth round pick in 2025. So it could be potentially a first and a third. And that's, that's a steal for the Rangers. Uh, the Rangers did it because they couldn't have another Lundqvist be a star in New York. They already had one. One was enough. <laughs> one will, uh, will forever be enough, but he would, he's going to be a good player. Like uh, people, Oh, he'll get to play. Upset and rightfully so. He'll get to play. I mean, he's going to – we talked about how he's probably going to take over the loss of John Klingberg there. Uh, and Dallas needs that defenseman, so he'll hop in. He'll be able to fit in. And, and I think that Schneider, they call him the mini Truba. And if the Rangers like Truba enough to name him the captain, you know that they're going to want to keep Schneider around. So before this trade gets judged, we got to see what the picks wind up being. we got to see how Schneider versus Lundqvist pans out long term. And if Schneider and Lundqvist both wind up being similar style players and very, you know, comparable, and the Rangers got a first and a third after it too, the Rangers win the deal. And that's how you got to look at it. Yeah, uh, just just now, I just want to butt in here. Saad Youssef covers the Dallas Stars for The Athletic. Just tweeted out, this is funny. You know, Ben Bishop was dealt to the Sabres, obviously a long-term IR move, cap-clearing move. Well, apparently... Ben Bishop was going to take a role in the front office with the Stars, but the league said you can't do that because you're under contract in Buffalo. So he must wait until his contract – or he must wait until his contract with Buffalo, yeah, runs out. So he will not be around the Dallas Stars for the time being. Imagine getting screwed by Buffalo. <laughs> well, I mean, he's probably making more as a player than he would in the front office, so I'm sure he'll take the money. That's true, but that's, that's another year of him sitting around not doing anything hockey-related in terms of management. Uh, officially, but, officially. But, Again, you have to. It's the same reason why Boychuk, because he got moved to Buffalo, takes all the, all the long-term IR retiring players because they they don't officially retire, but couldn't help out with the Islanders because he was under contract in Buffalo. Yeah. So um, interesting stuff there. But speaking of Bishop, which I'll just throw in, we'll talk about the Islanders' prospects for a hot second. I did a goalie piece. Never guy named Henrik Taikinen. He's six eight. There's a lot six, of those eight. just massive goalies. Well, Ben Bishop was the tallest in the NHL seven. So not going to play in the ECHL. He's not going to be HL level yet, but he becomes technically the tallest person in hockey, unless there's other guys that I don't know, six, nine. Um, but yeah, he, he looked pretty good at camp with tall goalies. The biggest thing is five hole and he gave up a couple of five hole goals, but he gets really low. So his knees are going to hundred percent be shot eventually, but he did a lot better than I thought he would do. He covered up the seven hole. He was good. The biggest thing with him and then the other goalies too is that initial shot. They're all young. So that initial hard shot, NHL caliber shot, they got to control better, but they're all talented enough to cover up and get the rebounds. And when you're 6'8", I mean, your leg's the size of me probably. So <laughs> you can make those those second or third saves that you can't make. But yeah, development camp was interesting. Obviously, it was my, my first one covering in person, but a couple of guys that stood out, Isaiah George, 18-year-old defenseman from the London Knights. He was great until he got hurt, unfortunately. He has a lower body injury. They haven't announced anything on that front yet, but this guy is going to be – I mean, I think it was a fifth-round pick or fourth-round pick in this year's draft. He could skate, and he not a huge guy. I think he's just six feet or 5'11", but he will literally fight anyone. Not fit, like not dropping the gloves, but Aturatu, 6'2", so he's got a couple inches on him. They went back and forth in this – heated battle with slashes and cross checks and George not only did not let Ratu touch the puck, he boxed him out in front of net and, and this kid George is going to be hopefully you would think he'd be a for the Islanders but he's probably a couple of years away because you know they have the AHL rule at what you can't be 20 you have to be yep. at least 20 to play there and he's only 18 so he's got a couple of years uh, other guys that stood out I'm trying to think, Atu Rata, William DeFore there, William DeFore, interesting because there's a lot of, there's obviously a lot of hype around him and you know before camp you think okay 
His ceiling, given his skating ability, probably a third line winger, and he's got an elite shot. So when he gets open, he'll he'll probably score. That'll be his goal. But he's got to work on the skating. Very heavy on his skates. Doesn't really explode. Once he go start start skating and he gets there, he could skate. He gets gets up the ice fast. But it's that starting motion. Whereas Ratu, he could turn the Jets on like that. And and uh, Lou Lemerel spoke about both of those guys. And someone asked if he, they were ready NHL ready. He said if he had a crystal ball, he would say they're not. But let's see at camp. But you look at the Islanders roster, there's no real spot for them. You rather them get seasoned in Bridgeport. Ratu played, I think, a total of eight games, six of them being in the playoffs for Bridgeport last year. Dufour, no matter how many goals he scored, 56 goals for St. John C. Dugs in the queue. Then he wins the Memorial Cup, Memorial Cup MVP, gold medal with Canada against Finland in the IIHF World Championships. But they're, they're prospects to watch. The biggest question for the Islanders is really going to be, you know, can Wallstrom take that next step and be that scorer? Who's going to be the sixth defenseman and seventh because they have openings? But for the Islanders, it's it's about forgetting. The, the biggest thing when we talk to Anders Lee, we talk to, it's forgetting. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. About last year. It doesn't matter. You know, last year was last year. You have a brand new coach. You have a, an actual schedule. You have a homestand to start the season. You're not starting 13 games on the road, which is a big issue. Hopefully the COVID bug's gone. Injuries, everyone's healthy. And the Islanders have a, have a, a chance here to, to do two things. One, prove that last year was just a, a bad year to bounce back. Or two, that this group can compete in an 82-game season. And if that's the case, you know, you probably blow things up after this year. But, you know, you gotta, everyone's going to, you know, look at Lou and say, okay, he didn't get in this offseason. And I agree, there were chances to, to improve the team. But if he truly believes that this team – is what they were a couple of years ago and last year didn't matter. And he wants to run it back one more time. I respect that. I respect that. And I think the group really respects that. We don't want to see people leave. They didn't bring in any PTOs. We thought Sonny Milano, you know, a Long Island native might get one. He didn't lose said he has guys that he thinks have a chance, young players. He also said that he wouldn't offer a PTO unless he believed that player can make the roster. Now, I disagree on that regard. Cause I think a guy like Sonny Milano might push a guy like Bellows and Wallstrom just competitively working in their tail off training camp, push them. Cause right now you look at those two guys to be in the lineup every day or not. They could pretty much say I'm making the roster anyway. My role is up for grabs and I'm going to do, but I'm making it. You don't want any comfortability in training. Camp. So I think bringing in a, a forward, even a veteran D man, they did bring in Dennis Chalowski, who was a former first round pick, but who had a level he's there. I think to make it more competitive for those openings on defense but yeah, you want competitiveness, and we'll, and we'll see with training camp opening tomorrow how much DeFore and Ratu stand out because you'll know right away if they're NHL ready. I mean, Johnny Boychuk, who the Islanders did sign a couple weeks ago to a developmental role, everybody loves Boychuk. They would do laps and stuff, and Boychuk's skating faster than these guys, and he hasn't played in a couple of years because you never lose that ability. But you'll be able to tell right away with these prospects that are at training camp, are they ready for NHL caliber hockey can they compete with the big boys and that's the exciting part of trading camp i think especially with the islanders who's you haven't really had many prospects dal cole was your best one over the last couple of years and he, and he failed as a, a former first round pick so it'll be fun and obviously the Rangers are a very young team as well so anytime you get to see those guys competing at training camp for roles it's always an exciting time yeah definitely and i feel like you know a lot of this has to go back to the amarillo because we talked about you know, on the last episode that we did record at the end of season two here is Lamarillo is going to be on the hot seat this year if it doesn't really pan out. I mean, turning like, 80 also. Way, he's yeah, he's getting up there in age. And I mean, that's not necessarily why he's going to be on the hot seat. But no. they didn't get any of the big fish this offseason. He's come out publicly and, and basically stated that they didn't really want to sign any of those big fish. They were driving up the price point here. He said he yeah, wanted that, to, that yeah. I'm not necessarily sure about, but. The, the end of the, the end of the matter is they didn't get anybody to really enhance the team. He got Romanov at the at the draft. And if these prospects can come up and help at some point this year, and if the Islanders can get into the playoffs and those prospects come in and defold at that time at the end of the year and can kind of contribute, that does probably save his job. If the Islanders do struggle and the prospects are not ready yet, 
it's going to be a tough situation. So he, he might be playing at Coy, but there's there's no doubt that with how, you know, faithful and, and how loyal Islanders fans are, that if this season starts to go sour, it, there's going to be some, you know, some outcry for, for change. And you're going to see players. Yeah, you have Lane Lambert. So this is a rookie head coach. I know he's been with Trotz on the Islanders bench since 2018, been around with Trotz since his time in Nashville. He's followed him around. Coach. And I can very well see if the season goes really bad. The deadline, you're going to move players. I mean, Scott Mayfield's on expiring deal. Does Matt Barzo sign an extension before the season starts to a long-term deal? Or do the Islanders look to move him? I mean, Lamarillo said the other day that he's Barzal's biggest fan and really said that he believes that he's the most talented player in the organization. I doubt he gets moved. But I'm just saying, you know, if, if, that, if that were to happen, the deadline, you got some players on expiring deals that you can move. I would say this is the year for Varlamov to move if the Islanders are out of it. If they're in it, they probably hold on to him for playoffs and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, Lou being on the hot seat, again, I respect the decision to stay with the group and give him another fighting chance. But you got to think, unless unless Wallstrom steps up and this offense steps up, you're still that goal scorer away from truly being a cup contender. But defense, that you like you said, they got Romanov. They have the goaltending bag. Varlamov's healthy. People forget that Varlamov is a year removed from being one of the better goalies in the league in that shortened, shortened season. I mean, he was dominant. Probably snubbed a Vesnik being a Vesnik candidate. I don't think he would have won, obviously. But, you know, this defense could be a top five defense in the NHL. The Islanders have a real strong chance of doing something special this year. 50th anniversary, of course. We can't forget that. And it's, it's a redo of the UBS Arena opening because, again, they got, they got an awful schedule. 13 on the road, coming home. Their whole roster was COVID-infected. They couldn't have a really good team. You know, they lost – I think they lost their first five at home. So this is a real chance to start off on the right foot with a homestand to start the season at UBS Arena. 50th year, a much better defense. No knock on Char and Green, but they weren't the best players and they were older. And Romanov does add, you know, he's young, he's 22. And whoever comes in to fill that sixth spot is going to be young as well or inexperienced, I should say, Grant Hutton, who has a chance to crack the lineup. He's 27. So there's a lot of, a lot of questions. This team is feel with a lot of question marks, but there are a lot of questions that could be answered right off the bat as early as the first couple of games of the year. So we shall see, but there's no way that this season could be as worse as last season. I think that could segue into our predictions, Brendan. I guess I'll start first with the Islanders. Every year the Islanders made it, it was just get in, just get in. I think the Islanders, you look at it this year, it's okay, we don't really matter where we we finish. We just have to get in. I could see them finishing in the top wildcard spot. Again, because you're looking at this division and it's, it's highly offensive. And if the defense doesn't do what it needs to do, there'll be goals in the end. It's just about the Islanders finding ways to score. So I think at the very least, I think top wildcard spot, I, I don't see them missing the postseason. Again, if that's the case, things have to change. But again, I don't think it matters. Home ice advantage would be great. But I think this Islanders team is a team that just has to get there and then they do their damage because of their defensive system, which is probably not going to change that much from Trotz's. Maybe a little more loose, a little more offensive base, but defense is the bread and butter. You got to play to their strengths. I think I've said that time and time again. So I think their defense will want to get in. And then it's going to be their defense and those timely scorings that gets them far in the postseason. You know, that's, I, I can't really argue with that. And we had talked about this, I know, for your article. I gave you my answer there. And I said, I think the Islanders fall just short, but it wasn't necessarily because of the Islanders. But there's so many good teams in the yeah. East. It's, it's just so crazy to pick. And, you know, I, I think that the Rangers get in, but there's a chance that, that they don't with how young they are. And there, there's so many ifs because Carolina's good. The Rangers are good. You know, Boston is is starting to fade, but they're still good. And You, you can't roulette the Penguins because they you always like – the Penguins or the Capitals. You can't roulette the Islanders. Columbus the just has a line with Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine now. Uh, I mean, there's so many good teams. Oh, Devils wait, are we, significantly we better. We could – we could say the Flyers are going absolutely nowhere with the Sean. The Couturier Flyers are the news. one team. Yeah, the Flyers are the one team, and, and the Red Wings that are not making the playoffs. The, those are the two. The Red teams Wings have a much better. Uh, I don't know if you want to count out there. I know the Red Wings might not be there yeah. yet for a cup, no, but they're goaltending. They got Tampa, Florida. I know, but you never know. I, I think Florida misses the playoffs, by the way. But that's just my hot take of the uh, summer. I don't know. I don't I like. Will, teams. I will put my life savings that they make it. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't have that much in my life savings. So if you want to win like ten bucks, sure. No, I, I look at I look at the I look at the Panthers. I mean, Huberdo was a heart and soul of that team. He gets moved. Their defense is very, very questionable. 
I, I, Mark yes, Stahl, um, I forgot who else was on that defense where it's like, you know, and it comes down to Bobrovsky. What kind of Bobrovsky are they going to get? Spencer Knight's clearly the future. When do you let him be that guy? Obviously not now because you're paying Bobrovsky still a fortune. But I don't know. I feel like last year was a great year for them. You got to see how Kachuk fits into that to that group. Obviously, their offense is pretty dynamic. But the defense, I don't know. I'm not... I'm not particularly confident in their defense, and I, I don't know how Bobrovsky will react with a with a, a weaker defense behind him. But it is Florida, and they could be the best team again. We never know. That's why we. That's why we yeah. love. So we love the league. You do, you don't know. Now I'm going to tell you right now. Ar- no the Arizona Coyotes are not going to make the postseason. We can talk about the Flyers are not going to make the postseason. As much as I would love, there's a, a, there's a handful of Blackhawks. If ASU could host a playoff round, that'd be sick. Because that place would sell out in ten seconds, and then all the all the cops would have a field day because they'd have to ID so many people, not knowing which ones are college kids and which ones aren't. Um, but yeah, the Blackhawks, yeah, they're not going the anywhere. Blackhawks are toast; they're, they're done. But, but Gookin, you talked about the Islanders training camp, and the Rangers don't really have much storylines outside of the obvious, right? I mean, Kratsov is his first camp now that he's going to be on an NHL contract. He better impress that he can get a spot. You have Zach Jones, who was supposed to be in the competition with Nils Lundqvist. Now it seems like it's his job to lose over Libor Hayek. And I know yeah. Rangers fans will have pitchforks out of Libor Hayek starting <laughs> on the opening night roster. Uh, you have Bobby Trevino, who they signed a free agent out of UMass, who's been impressive. So Remember does he that, have a yeah. chance of sneaking into a fourth-line spot? Uh, He's too small. Yeah, that's uh, size is, is not everything anymore, fortunately. Well, if they, you're playing a fourth-line center, you probably can't, you can't be a small dude. Tyler Mott wasn't that big. He was successful. Ryan Carpenter's not that big. He's a fourth line center. So if you could go yeah, we'll play see. two ways here, right? And then Brennan. I'm talking about. Really... I'm talking about height, by the way. I guys, I'm five nine. Obviously, I'm not saying that <laughs> height is everything because you know it is what it is. But just in hockey, I'm not. I'm a goalie too. You know, this conversation is going south for me. Yeah, size doesn't. <laughs> size does not matter. Well. Size matters in other things. Just not we're talking about hockey. Right <laughs> well, we, I mean, before we go into a different type of podcast, uh, we, we got we got uh, Brennan Othman and Will Cooley also are going to be in camp. So we will we will see what they have when they're going against NHL competition. But it's it's going to be exciting. I mean, the roster for the Rangers is pretty much secure. It's just going to be where do people slot in, and I think when you're looking prediction wise. I'm going to stand by my prediction. I think the Rangers finish in the top two in the Metro again. It's hard, similar with the Islanders, right? You have Sorokin and Shesterkin. Shesterkin coming off of Essen year, you expect him to regress a little bit. But historically, when you go NHL and KHL with him, his numbers don't tend to regress that much. If they do go down, they go down by, you know, four to five points, you know, 0.04 or five points in the save percentage, which is still 930. So I think he'll be okay there. The defense is improving drastically each and every year as the guys start to mature and get older you're now younger you don't have a pylon like jack jones uh, jack johnson or uh, patrick nemeth you now have should have zach jones there which is a more mobile guy you have uh you know the forward group is not as good as the team that went to the conference final but they are better than the team that started last year which i think is where we have to compare them and you expect lafreniere to take a jump don't know what to get with Kako. Everyone hopes he takes a jump. I'm not sold on him in any way, shape, or form. I know that the analytics point to him improving, but personally, I think that Kratzoff probably has a better year than Kako. I know that might be a hot take, but that's just what I see. I think that Sammy Blay coming back is a bigger piece than people realize. Yeah. So I, I still think the Rangers finish top two in the Metro. I think the Islanders are battling for the wild card. Uh, and if they if they're battling for the wild card, it could be one or two because I think that the the razor thin margin there between you know the teams that are six, seven, and eight technically in the East is going to be so small. So it'll be fun. I mean, I, I, this season has to come down to the last couple of weeks. There's no way with the amount of talent. Plus, Islander play. Ranger playoff. Make that if that happens. If that happens, I'm flying home and we're going to a game. I would also have a heart attack. I'm already starting to get gray hair, so that means my whole head head would be gray at the end of that. Run the club. I'd rather be gray than bald. I agree. Red buttons. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't <laughs> picture myself being bald. I don't want to want to picture that right now. But you look at the Rangers, and I think the biggest thing is you talk about regression, and I, I'm not saying Cryer can't do what he did last year. It's just highly unlikely. Now you're going to need guys to step up, which is why you have your young guys, why you pay Panarin the big bucks, Banajad. Ito's going to be – I know he was banged up a little bit last year. You're healthier. 
And of course, Shesterkin was a god last year, and a lot of those games he won. I mean, what was his goal saved above average? It was absurd, like seventeen or twenty-seven. Like five more than what the next highest was. Yeah, and I think Sorokin was next, and uh, it's going to come down to that. Now, your defense is another year older, which is critical for development. You have a leader on the back end in Trouba, like we talked about. Yeah, I think the Rangers will have no problem making the playoffs, but it'll come down to again. You need. You need your young guys to eventually – got to stop referring to them as young guys and talking about you know seasoned players. And, again, that's obviously time – they're going to take time to do that. But now's the time for those guys. Like, you know, Kako's been in the league for a couple years now. Now's the time for him to really show, okay, why was he taking second? Uh, we saw Jack Hughes exponentially grow over the last couple of years and show, okay, this is why he was taking first. Duh. So we need to see that from Kako as to, okay, duh, this is why he was taking second. He could do this. He could do that that no other players can't do. Um, but, yeah, the Rangers – they're a team that I, I that I said first when they were coming up is like they're so young and they're so good so quickly that they're going to be a team that going to be fighting for the top of that division and and the East and Cup contenders for a long time and it's just about again continuing to grow. Yeah, the the one thing that I will say, obviously, Kreider is is going to regress if he scores fifty two again. <laughs> There'll be nobody happier than me. But I, I think if he can get over 30 now that he broke that hump and stay consistently there, that's fine. You have the other guys to score. I think a minute and a half more per game for Lafreniere, Kako, and Edel, right, which is likely that they're going to get now, is going to do wonders. That's two to three shifts, depending on how short they are. Even if they're not on the top power play unit, which you hope one of them will be, they, yeah. they should be getting more chances on the top line. Like Lafreniere on the top line as opposed to the third line and getting 15 to 16 minutes versus 13 to 14. You know, it sounds like very small margins, but anybody that's played the game knows that, you know, two minutes is four 30-second shifts, and that's a lot more opportunity to score than, than you know, 13 minutes. So you, you look at these guys, and I think that there is – the skill's evident, right? Everyone knows the Lafreniere goal. We've seen great goals from Kako. We've seen great goals from Edo. So the skill is definitely there. It's just getting more consistent playing time. And, you know, Lafreniere alongside Kreider and Zabanajad and Kako alongside Panarin and Troshek now, that's a completely different situation than what they had last year. So I think that they do take that step and they do make up for the, the regression from a, a Kreider 52. Panarin's going to get towards that 90 to 100 point mark. Fox is going to have 70 plus. You expect Zibanejad to be 70 to 80 plus points again. So if those kids can become men, then the Rangers are sitting pretty. You know what I think about at night, Brendan? These are two thoughts that have crossed my mind recently is you have, how on earth did the Calgary Flames have the offseason that they had? Like think about, they could make a movie about this offseason. Like, Did he win GM of the year? Did Brad Schleving win GM of the year before the season started? Sure, I, I would I would give it to him. And obviously, you have to say, front runner by you lose. You lose Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk, two unreal players that pretty much were the life of your organization. The year before that, you lost Giordano in the Seattle Kraken draft, correct? Yep. The expansion. You get rid of those two, and you bring in Huberto. And you bring in who's the defenseman? I'm blanking. Mackenzie Weger. Mackenzie Weger, uh, definitely a top four defenseman. He could be a number one, uh, number one or two for a team. You sign both of them to long term deals, or going to be signing both of them to long term deals. Obviously, I don't know if Weger's is completely done. I know he wants to be there long term. You bring in Nazim Kadri. You sign Sonny Milano to a PTO. So if he makes the team, that's another area of speed. I know they brought back some defensemen. They have great goaltending. I mean, this did this team get better? By losing 100-point scores? No. Uh, they definitely got worse, but they, <laughs> they bridged the gap. They bridged the gap. I, I'm not It sold. could have been ugly. It could have been very ugly. Yeah, it could have been extremely ugly. I, I'm not sold on Huberto outside of Florida yet. Huberto's a great player. Don't get me wrong. But he's been in Florida his whole career. You have that comfort level. You played with Barkov. So now you're going, and, and he's expected to fill the roles of Johnny Gaudreau uh, and Matthew Kachuk's production which is you're expecting a guy that had a career year last year to just replicate but that year after year. But Huberto's been an underrated, consistent – like, Huberto no, does he's not consistent. get respect for what he does. He's very consistent, but he's been consistent in a consistent environment. This is a huge change, right? Kadri's so, change is huge also. I mean, you're coming Kadri up a guy didn't have year. a year like that. He didn't have a year like that until Colorado last year, where uh, he had everyone had a year with, like that. He had a really good year with Toronto, but that was also – He did, time. but not not 80-plus points. No, like no, so, no. To me, they bridge the gap. 
but they didn't get better. They're good enough to make the playoffs, and you hope that those players stay healthy and can produce. And I think that the addition of Uyghur is probably massive to help that team defensively because well, we saw the Edmonton series. But You look at that trade, and as good as Ma- – I mean, Matthew Kachuk, I probably say this every time I bring up his name, he scored the coolest goal I've ever seen. Uh, with a couple of seconds left in overtime, he went between the legs from the hash marks right inside the circle, top shelf on Peck Arena. I mean, come on. It's crazy. He scores the craziest goals. But you look at that trade, and before the players signed, again, I can't remember if Uyghur signed his extension. I know they're. I think they're talking about. It. I don't think it's officially done. Um, but you look at you look at that, and you say, okay, the trade happened. Both players aren't signed to long term deals. It's questionable to decide if they Flames won that trade because Makachuk's one player. But the fact that they signed long term, or again, they're going to. Again, if it plays out. You could very well say that the Flames won that deal back, Kuberdo and Uyghur, and signing both long-term. Because if it worked and those players contribute, and Huberdo does what he did last year, and Uyghur is a staple on the back end, and even if Kachuk has a solid year, or even even you could say he has a great year, you could very well won that trade. And that's not something you would expect when losing that. The other thing I think about at night is, you know, McKinnon just signed a massive, what, $12.6 million a year? Yeah. I mean, deserving sell. The guy can now buy millions of chickpeas. Um, Did you but, see the uh, the breakdown? Yeah, was he getting fifteen million this year? So like, he, uh, not even that. It's a hundred point eight million total, like for over the course of those eight years. And third highest. 80, third highest? I know annually it's the highest of all yeah. time. I think Ovechkin's is more is higher um, total than a couple other players. I'm trying to remember the exact number, I think it was eighty-two point five out of that one hundred point eight is signing bonus money. So at the start of every season, he just basically gets the bag handed to him, as opposed to going game by game check. But hey, he deserves it. I mean, I mean he yeah, deserves it. You could say that he's the best player in the in in the world because he could do so many. Other, I mean, McDavid is McDavid, but McKinnon, I think. I don't know. There's just something about him where it might be a, a little higher than McDavid on my on my sheet there. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like I think we've talked about it is McDavid's so fast. He's so quick. But what McKinnon could do with the puck handling going on into the offensive zone, you have no idea what he's going to do. I don't know. He's just an, a, a talented to player. To me, it's the same. Like McDavid is, is just better than everybody. But I understand what you're saying with McKinnon. I, I think just, that we, we see McKinnon do it because he's flashier with the hands. McDavid's just so good that he just literally skates in a straight line. It seems like people oh, against the Rangers, he just skated in a straight line. That's what I'm saying, and it, it's not as flashy. It's not as as many stick yeah. handles and toe drags, but he just knows where to put the puck between a defender to get in. You also have to look at the teams they're on. We've had this conversation in the past. I mean, not not taking anything away from McKinnon has more help than McDavid has, even though McDavid does have Drysaddle who puts up 100 plus points every year. But no, the real thing about Colorado, which I was getting to, and I got. They are relying on Alexander to be their number one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They relied on Kemper, and Kemper showed that he really isn't the elite goalie that we thought he was when he was dominating with the Coyotes because he was their only real talent, and he was held out to dry. That I could, you know, we could see the same thing. I know the Avalanche won a cup, and Kemper made the timely saves he had to, but you couldn't say Kemper's still in the cup, or you know, Kemper plays better. That series might not be at. at the, you know, as close, I guess, as it was. But um, I don't know. That's a lot of faith in a goalie that really hasn't shown that you should have faith in him. And they're going to score a ton of goals. I don't think the regular season is going to be an issue at all. The, I didn't think Archie Kemper could get them a cup, and he did. But I have a lot less faith that Georgiev. And, of course, you have our boy Pavel. I'm, again, not pronouncing his last name because it's just it's just a headache. But uh, are they relying on him to be the number one guy? And he's good. He's good. I think he's better than Georgiev. It's just a major, major gamble over in Colorado in terms of playoff success because you can't outscore everyone. I mean, Georgiev, I guess you technically have to, but yeah, yeah, they they do. Georgiev with consistent playing time is going to be better than the key and defense in front York. of him. Um, but I mean, the defense in front of him didn't matter when he was letting up like literal passes to his pads go in at one point against Detroit. I I think that that you see you know the contracts and stuff in your dreams, and I see your gives goals allowed in my nightmares because that's how bad they were. But when you look at what he's going to be going to in Colorado, it's a fresh start for him. Where we talked about Huberto, how he was so good in Florida, the fresh start might be a change of pace. Georgiev needed to get out of New York. And he's going to a team that already just won a cup, so the expectation is gone, right? If they didn't win a cup last year and then he came in, 
that's that's a lot more pressure than going into a team that already has uh, they've gone over that home. So I think that for him, he's just going to have that fresh start. It's going to be a one A one B. But I think Georgiev probably does get the edge in playing time, or else why would they go out and get him for for the price that they paid? Right, the couple of draft picks, which I didn't think the Rangers were going to even get for him. So Chris it, Jury, baby. Chris Jury's having a he's, he's having a good run. All right. Well. I got to sleep because no, I'm kidding. I got a lot to do, but uh, yeah, training camp. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And first off too, obviously for people that don't know, I took over halfway through last year during COVID, everything was on zoom. And then they opened up to, you know, the press conferences were podium. They bring one player up. You talk to him. We had one or two scrums on away trips, but for rookie camp, we were in the locker room and getting to talk to players. You know, you pinch yourself. I'm, I'm not, I'm going to, I don't take any of it for granted. I know I'm given a chance to do something really cool and clearly embrace that. And it'll be the same thing when we get to talk to these players in person on the, on the daily. And also it creates better stories. Everyone had the same quotes and everything last year. And now you get to go up to players and ask them certain things that no one else has access to. So it's going to be a real cool time personally for me. And I hopefully the content as well, but Brendan, I know you're enjoying your time in Tampa. I know you're really close to the Tampa Bay lightning arena, Emily arena. So I know you're going to, Head to some games there. I'm coming down to visit you for the Islanders road trip the end of October. They're playing in Tampa and Florida. Well, they're in Florida, of course, in Sunrise the next day. So that'll be fun. But great first episode. Back check season three. We're going to try to get some guests like we've had in the past and really get this thing going because hockey season is, is right around the corner. Hockey season is right around the corner. I'm going to the opening preseason game already because I can see Emily from my balcony. So I'm itching but for that to start. They are playing Carolina. Oh, so boy. I wanted to, to get a little taste of, of what Carolina is going to be this year for, for our Eastern Conference friends and Metro Division friends. But it will be fun. We will have some some fun hockey to watch over the course of the season, especially with the amount of talent like we had discussed in the league. Training camp's underway. Preseason starts next week. So we'll have some actual hockey scores to give you on the next episode of the Backjack. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at BackCheckPod. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.